It's only like 10 o'clock. I feel like I need a coffee after doing all that, man. Holy cow. I am amped up. Are you guys amped? Maybe? Sort of? Yeah. (laughs) So it is exciting. Whenever you talk about God's Word, we get excited around here because we do, in fact, value God's Word. There's a famous theologian, a guy who actually 500 years ago, something major happened in the world called the Reformation. This little old monk hanging out in Germany started making big waves as he got people their attention and drew their attention to the Word. Uh, He had a couple sayings that he used to say and that we as a church actually have adopted. This is part of who we are. He talked about the importance of faith and he talked about the importance of Word. He talked about, specifically, he says one phrase he uses was Scripture, uh, sola scriptura. Sola scriptura. It means Scripture alone. And we as a church body translated that as Word alone. We are a church built on We are a church grounded in the Word as our rock. We seek to understand it, to know it, both in its detail, verse by verse, as well as in the bigger picture, as well as trying to see and understand the grand, big God story as conveyed through the biblical witness, as conveyed through Scripture. The kids know what the big God story is because you study it every week in the back during adventure camp. How cool is it? Did you know the adults? We're kind of hip. We're kind of cool. We try. We also study the big God story every week. That's like what we do around here. And specifically this past summer, we have been spending time looking at that continuation of the big God story. Last summer, not this summer, but last summer, we started the story. And we began traveling through at the very beginning with the Old Testament. And then this summer, we picked up where we left off and we traveled through more of that Old Testament. Just as a quick recap for you this past summer, do you remember how we started with the kings? Remember, this is, this is, summer flew by, right? Summer just flies by. It's the way summers work. But it flew by and we started with the kings. Uh, shout out your favorite king that we studied. David, good one. David, everybody loves David. He's a cool guy. Who else do you remember? David? Solomon? Nice, I heard that one. Josiah, he's a good one. We did touch on Josiah too. I'm a big fan, love that name. Uh, We did a bunch of kings, right? So we did David, there was Solomon. There was a guy who came really early, even before David. Do you remember his name? Saul, good memory, good memory. So Saul and David and Solomon, and then a bunch of kings came after them. If you remember, it started really good where we had a king and a kingdom. But eventually, that kingdom was torn in two. It was divided into a north and a south. And because people made bad decisions, because people did some really silly and foolish things, because people walked away from God... Eventually, there was a low point in the story, which we call exile. First, the north was sent into Assyrian exile, and then the south was sent into Babylonian exile. You remember this? It's this low point in the story where God's people are looking around saying, What the heck? What happened? What went wrong? And it's because they had ignored the prophets. They had ignored God's word. And as a result, they were thrust into this difficult, tumultuous turmoil known as the exile. And yet God, in His love and in His grace, the story continued to a point where He began to to repair and rebuild that relationship with His people. And He used wise men like Daniel, and He used priests like Ezra, and He used builders like Nehemiah. 
And last week, we kind of even wrapped up with another prophet named Malachi. And with that prophet, with Malachi, we actually closed the door on the Old Testament. That chapter is now concluded. This summer, at this point in time, we have completed looking at the entirety of the Old Testament. And we are left with a cliffhanger. You guys watch TV shows? Do you Netflix binge? Like I've, I've thought, I, I have confessed that to you before. You know this, that I am a Netflix binge guy. It's because I hate cliffhangers. I just hit next, 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 right? It's the same. You want to know what happens next. As Malachi closes, we're left with a cliffhanger. A cliffhanger that is so profound that even to this very day, continuing right here, right now, our Jewish brothers and sisters continue to wait in anticipation. They're stuck on the cliffhanger, wondering what comes next. What could come next? Because God has hidden these these promises and God's been doing stuff throughout this whole story of the Old Testament so far. And he's made promises about the future. And Jewish brothers and sisters are waiting at that cliffhanger point. Holding on to the Old Testament. And wondering what happens next. Just a quick refresher for you. Two summers ago, we started the story by realizing how God created And shortly after God created, he spoke words. The power of words is incredible. God spoke and it came into being. And that creation was made. And yet shortly thereafter, through some decisions, crisis entered the world. Brokenness, sin, icky stuff, nasty, broken pain entered the world. And ever since then, it's been this ongoing story of God's Redemption, healing, restoration, rescue of creation that he made. His first step was to try laws. Do you remember we studied a guy named Moses? Charlton Heston, right? Up on with the staff and parting the Red Seas, right? And Moses goes up to the mountain. He comes down from the mountain with a set of laws. Uh, We call them the Ten commandments. God started by saying, maybe, maybe if I teach a select group of people how to behave and live in accordance with my will, if maybe if I give them some rules, some regulations, some laws that embody my will and desire, rescue could happen. Maybe rescue could be possible through these laws. How'd that work out for us? Not so much, right? Are you good at following rules? Some of us are better at it than others, but I got, I've, I've got like a one-year-old at home. We're working on that whole following the rules thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. We as people seem to be prone to wander. We seem to be prone to uh, ignoring the rules when it's convenient to ignore them. We're okay with rules to a certain point, but then we like to do our own thing. And so what we found is that God's people could not live out the rescue plan according to rules, regulations, and laws. That's basically what we talked about last summer. 
it led us into this summer. This summer, God tries something a little bit different, a little bit more unique. He starts, instead of using laws, he uses specific people, leaders, those kings. He uses kings, and the kings are supposed to embody God's will and desire for his people and the relationship that he wants to be in. And so he uses kings, and sometimes the kings got it right, and sometimes the kings did not get it right. And he used wise men, like I mentioned, Daniel or Nehemiah, and priests like Ezra, prophets, Elijah, and Elisha. And yet this summer, haven't we noticed... Just as God's people ignored the laws last summer, God's people ignored leaders this summer. So laws won't do it. Leaders won't do it. There seems to be a bigger, deeper problem with this ongoing story. That God's rescue plan keeps getting foiled. And as I step back and I think about the God story so far, you know what the one consistent problem I see? There's one consistent problem that that, that goes across the board. You know what it is? With all of these stories, there's one definitive, persistent problem. It's people. It's people. People, we, we be the problem. We're the issue. We keep making mistakes. We keep screwing up. You look at the story after story after story. You know who keeps making the mistakes and causing the, 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 the hardship and the problems? It's people. And part of the reason that I love the Old Testament is because I understand that I make the same mistakes. I look at my own life and more or less the problems are because I have invited them or caused them. That there's brokenness and hurt in this world because we're broken people. People are the problem. And in this story, there's only two actors. People and God. So if you're not going to find the answer in people... If you're not going to find the answer for salvation and restoration and rescue by looking in the mirror... If not people, then it relies entirely and utterly upon God. You see, this is what we've learned so far. The story so far has led us to this point in time. The Old Testament leads us to this moment where we recognize the story so far points to this one reality. It takes God Himself, God's person, in order to rescue God's people. It takes the person of God to intervene, to save to rescue his people. I'll give you a hint of what's yet to come for next summer. As we put the book on the shelf until next summer, as we get into the activity year and the school year, it's all good stuff right in front of us. But I want to give you a sliver of what's yet to come. It is this. It is God in God's person, incarnate, in flesh, 
God himself entering the story tangibly, physically, in the person of Jesus Christ. Scripture says it like this. For in Jesus, for in Jesus Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood on the cross. We as Christians are not left with a cliffhanger. Because the next chapter in the story is that of Jesus Christ. Of His life, His death, and His resurrection. And the subsequent forgiveness and rescue He accomplishes for you. It's hard to wait till next summer. I promise we're going to get into a whole lot of good stuff coming up. But know this as we wait. The climax of the story is right in front of us. The story is not over. There is an answer to the cliffhanger. What happens next is Jesus. And that makes all the difference. Let's close with a word of prayer. Jesus, we acknowledge that you are good and great and that indeed your story is ongoing. That even to this very day, because you chose to enter into this world, you are continuing to save and to rescue your people. That here and today, you would save and rescue and love us. Thank you. Thank you for your grace and your goodness. Thank you for the story so far. We ask and we pray. We invite God, your person, into our lives that we might indeed experience your grace and salvation. Ground us now always in your word. Feed us at your table. Empower us and love us as your forgiven and chosen people. We pray this, Christ Jesus, in your name. Amen. We continue to ground ourselves in Jesus Christ every week here at Christ Church. We ground ourselves in his story of redemption, of his sacrifice in his blood and his cross. We ground ourselves in that story every single time we come to the table. We come forward confessing that, yeah, we make mistakes, we got problems. And at the table, through simple gifts, God once again says, I love you. I forgive you, and I claim you to be part of my ongoing story. I'd remind you, in the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. He gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, and it is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup. He gave thanks. He gave it to all to drink, saying, Take and drink. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you, for all people, for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. In these simple gifts of bread and wine, God promises to be present, to forgive, to restore, and to rescue. If you want to receive that this morning, he is here for you in these gifts.
If you're not ready for God in this way yet and Christ in this way yet, that's okay. Then the invitation is just to remain seated. But keep coming back and keep hearing more and more about this story, more and more about who Jesus is and the difference he can make in your life. But if you do hunger and thirst, he's here for you in these gifts this morning. Would our helpers come forward at this time? As our helpers come forward, let me give you a couple of quick reminders on how we do communion. You can always check out the slide for a sense of the flow. We commune by section and by station. You'll be invited into the aisle by one of our ushers. They always start in the back and they work their way to the front. So for those of you in this section over here, you'll be invited into the aisle. As you come forward, there'll be a person with bread. Approach them, take the bread and eat it. You'll then be handed a cup and you can step to a chalice where your cup will be filled with wine. Then there's a basket right there as you head back to your seats via the far aisle for your empty glasses. For those of you in the center section, you'll also be coming up that same aisle. There'll be two lines, but your station will be here in the center. First you'll receive bread and then a glass and then wine. And then there'll be a basket there as you head back down the aisle to your seats. As they're heading down the aisle, you guys will be coming up the aisle, working your way through your station, and exiting the far aisle. For health reasons, if you need gluten-free bread or grape juice, you can just bypass the stations. Come on up to me at the altar. I'm happy to commune with you there. Uh, And if you're a kid this morning, if you're a young one who's not yet a communing, uh, Melissa is going to give uh, a blessing at the end for all of the families. And so we'll invite you to just remain seated for the moment. But she's going to take us all through a family blessing. Uh, These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Please come to his table. I know the plans. I know. 
the plans I have for you declares the Lord.